Thank you, Anne. That leads in uh, very nicely. Um, I'll refer back to the passage at times, but I'll use the NIV when I do that. Um, but I think it was really good to hear that from the message. It sort of gives it a fresh uh, approach and uh, the ideas that it's getting across um, are, are quite clear. Um, I can imagine that um, if my children speak about me at my funeral, they probably suggest that uh, I was fat, uh, but they, they may not have any acronyms whatsoever. Um, but <laughs> what, what we have in, in the letters to Timothy, aren't we, are really encouraging letters to a young leader. Um, a lot of Paul's letters to the churches uh, admonish the church quite a lot. Um, but although, having said that, we've been looking at Philippians in uh, the evening services, and that, that too is full of encouragements. Uh, but, you know, really, Paul's mission here is to build Timothy up. He's got a role for him uh, le- leading the church at Ephesus, and um, he knows he, he's young and inexperienced, so he really wants to. Um, build him up. Uh, But what I want to focus on this morning out of uh, that fourth chapter really is the challenges that Paul knew that Timothy would face. Uh, And the the thing we've been given is stick to the truth. Um, And and that was the challenge really for Timothy, not just that he stuck to the truth, and I think Paul had reasonable confidence that he could do that, uh, but actually the church stuck to the truth. Uh, and that's an awful lot harder. Uh, and we know it's an awful lot harder because of those letters to the other churches, because clearly church after church was failing, was falling into various traps, uh, was being swayed by this teaching and that, and they really didn't have um, a clarity of what it was to be church. And we look back now and say, oh, that's terrible, they should have learnt from this. They should. But actually we've had you know, a couple of thousand years of church to, to kind of hone what the faith is. They were new. They, they were just coming to a faith. They were excited by it, but they didn't always know how to practice it in terms uh, of their culture. Uh, and so, you know, yes, we can throw a few stones from our end and say, boo, you know, you, you did a poor job. But actually what Paul was doing was laying a foundation for a church that had a solid foundation and a solid future because he knew that solid foundation, that solid future was all based on Jesus Christ. So here he is talking to Timothy and getting him to hold on to the truth. He knew that because he was young, he'd get a hard time. There would be people who had lots of religious experience who would say, oh, this isn't the way it works. You don't know anything at this stage. Uh, and also, the world itself was, was a varied place, was a difficult place. Uh, and it wasn't just the ways of the world that Timothy had to steer through. It was the ways of particular religious folk as well that would say, this practice is right and this practice fits in with the Christian faith and there's nothing wrong with doing this and we ought to do that, but we should stop doing that. And there's nothing that Jesus said that, that would make them stop doing those things. So, so he had all that going on and, and Paul's advice is just focus in, focus in on all that you've learnt Focus in all that is real and true to you in your faith uh, and just push those other things aside. 
I think being young and inexperienced, and perhaps we can remember when we were young and inexperienced, you do rely on those that have that greater knowledge, that greater experience, that greater sense uh, uh, of what is going on. Um, and, and Paul obviously had that in a good way, but there would have been others around Timothy that had that, but had a bit of a twisted idea uh, of what would really um, add up to living out the faith. And I guess if we remember when we were young, we perhaps also remember that we didn't always heed the advice that we were given anyway. Um, but if we were given advice, we'd have been foolish uh, not to heed at least some of it, that to ignore it altogether uh, pretty much leaves us on our own. So it was really good to have that example of, of Ruth uh, and not heeding the family's advice, uh, but still finding the protection uh, and love of her family. So Paul had dealt with false doctrine. He'd done it a lot and he was keen to ensure that uh, as Timothy progressed and grew in stature and faith, uh, that he also would be able to spot uh, and avoid false doctrine. He wanted to make sure that in no way was Timothy going to be taken off track. But the issues that we've, we look at here in this chapter, and I'm going to read verse 3 again, as I say, from the NIV, he, he's just setting out some particular issues here that were creeping into the church. Uh, people that had a different viewpoint. And this is what they did, verse 3. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So in other words, they wanted to add something to the faith. Yes, you can have your faith in Jesus. Yes, as a church, we're, we're getting to know Jesus more. But, you know, just we need to prove it in some way, don't we? We need to show the world that we're different. So, so what are we going to do? Well, actually, aren't we married to Christ? We shouldn't be married to each other. We should be married to Christ. So therefore, let, let's stop marriage. And um, there's all kinds of unclean foods, depending on people around us and their, their interpretations of religion and, and what they see as important. So, so why don't we abstain from a lot of food as well? And let's, let's just show... So I'm not saying that their intentions were evil. Their intentions really were perhaps trying to live out uh, the faith. But actually, Paul points them out as evil. Paul points them out as something that's demon-led. Uh, and the reason for that is not that people do abstain from marriage or certain foods, there's, there's no particular harm in that if, if that enables them uh, to follow Christ. But what he's saying is that that suddenly becomes the religion, not, not, not the trust in Christ, not the faith in Christ. That becomes the religion and therefore that's why it's from demons and, and not from God. I suppose at that time what we're looking at is Paul trying to establish a certain orthodoxy that makes sense to new believers so that that orthodoxy all hangs together and I think again with our um, benefit of hindsight we can start to see the logic that's, that's put in place around the faith. But that's not to say we can't make mistakes ourselves and it's not to say that lots of movements have grown up that really have uh, taken lots of errors on board. 
when I first became a Christian, um, the book that really helped me is guy, by a guy called Bruce Milne, and, and I meant to check whether it's still in print, but I have a feeling it is, because I certainly know there have been new editions of it, and it's simply called Know the Truth. Bruce Milne, Know the Truth. And what it does is it sort of takes you through chapter by chapter lots of different doctrines. It's not dogmatic, so it's not saying believe this or else. It's sort of saying this is how this doctrine has um, grown up within the church and this is the scriptural basis for it uh, and these are some of the variants that you see in different aspects of the, of the Christian church. So I found that a really helpful book. Uh, in just sort of focusing in on those difficult areas because let's face it, areas of doctrine can range from the yes that's logical because we believe in Jesus to the I'm not sure what I think about this and that could be leading me uh, anywhere and just to have a bit of clarity grounded in scripture is really helpful Uh, and again Paul is saying to Timothy I know the reality of the situation in Ephesus, but take time to see what what your faith is grounded in, what you've seen and understood so far. Build on that. Uh, Don't build on what's going on around you. Uh, As I say, when we see this sort of reference in uh, 1 Timothy 4 here about things being demon-led, Uh, then I I suppose the thing it puts me in mind of and perhaps you as well is that um, there are various religious cults that grow up uh, and we're aware of some that hit the news aren't we Uh, and if we look at even the broad details of what's been going on in that cult what we really notice is that those leaders of those cults have really demanded very restrictive behaviour of their followers. They keep them out of society. They, they create a little kind of ecosystem within their own community and that's totally self-reliant, not, not reliant on any others whatsoever. Uh, and often we get to the point where those that follow that cult know very little of any other reality that's beyond the four walls uh, of where they live and worship. But often, don't you find in those news stories, the leader's conduct is totally different. So they still are self-seeking, they live immoral lives, but their followers don't find out about it, uh, and they're really exploitative of the people that they've managed to encourage to follow them. And I think, although that's an extreme example, I think that's what Paul's thinking about here a little bit too, that actually... You've got to stand up against those things, which you could say, well, there's no harm in you know, remaining celibate. There's no harm in uh, not eating certain foods. But what he's saying is if that becomes the focus, then actually that will lead to all kinds of other behaviours that don't take into account the goodness of God and all the good things that God has provided. It's possible within the small group here that... Um, you will know more perhaps than I do of of some of the different sects and for the benefit of the recording S-E-C-T-S sects that uh, have grown up that sort of align themselves to the Christian faith uh, but really are quite different Uh, and again following Paul this is sort of saying that these are the kind of things that um, 
added extras, if you like, not, not really the core of what it is to follow Jesus. Uh, and two of these groups we often encounter on our doorstep or in our towns. The third makes the news because it's got very high-profile Hollywood celebrities that follow it. So the first of these is the Mormon Church, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and they do adhere to some version of Christianity, but it's based very much on the, fa- on the teachings of their founder, Joseph Smith, uh, who published the Book of Mormon back in 1830. Because Joseph Smith claimed his own special divine inspiration. That included, he said, having direct meetings with Jesus that helped him establish that faith, write that book. Uh, And what you can clearly see with the Mormon faith is that it's very much about adding uh, to what the rules and teachings uh, of biblical Christianity uh, show us. Um, And I think this would sort of sit in because of some of the stories that... uh, Joseph Smith writes down uh, I think this would come into the godless myths that are um, mentioned by Paul in verse 7 so yes a form of Christianity some acknowledgement of Jesus but not in the real way not in the way that um, Jesus is our saviour but simply using that historical Christian faith to create something himself uh, that would encourage people to believe uh, and live in the kind of society that he wanted to form. And the other one we come across quite often is the Jehovah's Witnesses, isn't it? And that movement was founded by Charles Taze Russell in 1881, so a bit more recent. Um, But it really took shape as the Watchtower Society in 1919, and that was after that founder had died. And it has a whole range of teachings, and among those teachings are that although Christ has coexisted with God since the beginning, um, at that time, he wasn't Jesus, he was the Archangel Michael before coming into this world. How that works out, I have no idea. Uh, but that, that's part of their belief. And also, they believe that in part because they don't believe in the Trinity. And one of the clear uh, differences between uh, the Christian Church and Jehovah's Witnesses is that they don't believe in the Trinity. They can't see uh, one God and three persons and one God. Uh, they also believe that... Um, after the time of the apostles, the the church was kind of lost, really. It disappeared. There was no church. Uh, And so they felt they've reformed it again in 1919. Um, And then they say that really then all matters of doctrine are taken from the watchtower. Um, As you can imagine, with the watchtower now, you know, or the watchtower society, um, about 100 years old now, um, those articles that appear in the watchtower differ quite a lot. So even though they have their own version of scripture, their own translation of the Bible, uh, because of the teachings over all those years, they quite often vary with what um, their Bible tells them from those, those times. So you can see again, they've added to, they've changed, they've uh, refocused a lot of things and they've lost sight uh, of the Saviour who is Jesus. And the third group I just quickly wanted to mention were the Christian scientists because those are the ones that do sort of hit the headlines a bit because of the 
um, high-profile celebrities that follow that um, branch of faith. Uh, and they were, they were founded by Mary Baker Eddy uh, with a, a real focus on health and healing. And she founded that movement in 1879. Christian scientists believe that the only reality is spiritual reality and that the material world around us is just an illusion. Uh, and then when it comes to sort of dealing with sin, they say, well, if you focus on sin, it's a sin. But if you stop focusing on it, well, you're free from sin then. So they don't actually believe in atonement. They don't actually believe in repentance. They don't actually believe in ourselves being uh, made right with God through the sacrifice of Jesus. But they do believe that uh, Jesus died and was raised from the dead. But they believe that just happened to prove to us that eternal life was real. And that's as far as they go with it. So you can see that um, perhaps particularly in the 19th century, because that's when all these groups were formed, that was perhaps a bit of a bad time for religious freedom because of all the strange things that uh, developed, all the errors that were brought forward into the lives of many who were seeking to believe. But I think that's still exactly what Paul is setting out because he sets out some things here for Timothy, but in other ones, he, he, other letters, he's um, setting out the problems of those that uh, come from a Jewish background and feel that everybody needs to be circumcised to hold to the faith. He's come across pagan practices uh, in the Near East uh, and therefore you know, has had to counter some of those practices and say they're not appropriate for the Christian church. So you could say that also a lot of those errors and uh, things remain today, not, not least because those three aspects of faith do still remain today, but also lots of other sects and groups as well who come up with uh, perhaps ever more weird and wonderful ideas uh, of what it is to follow Christ. And I'm not going to particularly diss the uh, 19th century because, of course, it was also in the 19th century that the Brethren movement started uh, around about 1820. So uh, it's, not, it's not just about uh, the religious freedom of that time. So Paul highlights that particular danger that people will abandon faith and they'll abandon faith to follow additional practices. He's saying that Christ doesn't require those uh, extra practices. Uh, but I also think there's a, a bit of an opposite danger here about not adding anything of ourselves in our faith relationship. Um, it's interesting thinking back to Billy Graham, and there's, there's a church, I, I won't name the church, uh, but it, it was pastored by uh, one of Billy Graham's grandsons. went very well. Uh, they then uh, appointed another pastor, and this pastor had this clear vision to say, look, you know, faith is straightforward, because actually, simple equation, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, i.e. don't add anything to the faith. So we've just looked at that and agreed that that's true. But actually, that's fine in terms of our salvation to say that the only way that we can be saved is through Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice. But actually, it says nothing about living a life of discipleship. Because otherwise, why don't we just sit around and do nothing? Why, you know, we know our salvation can't be earned. 
Why do anything? But actually in this passage, what you see from Paul is actually saying, Timothy, you've got an awful lot of work to do. Uh, And from verse uh, 11 onwards, his words to Timothy are, command and teach these things. Set an example. Devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture. Do not neglect your gift. Be diligent. Give yourself wholly. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. There's a lot to do. It's not about, well, it's all done, therefore. Uh, And I think... Certainly the report I've seen, and I'm not there, so how can I say how true it is, but the report I'm seeing is that that pastor that then took on that church um, caused a lot of confusion and a lot of heartache within the church because he was coming in with a slightly different message, not uh, adding stuff that they should believe, but actually taking away uh, a little bit of what a life of discipleship meant because he'd started off with a very clear and accurate basic statement about our faith in Christ but he hadn't wanted to or perhaps not able to develop that in in how people uh, work out their salvation how they um, do the things that Christ uh, is encouraging them to do in living out a life of faith so that's kind of what I wanted to share about that passage just trying to take us through some things that we might think to avoid Um, but um, just want to sort of read um, one that sort of sums that up really as to, as to why we then go, go on and work out uh, our salvation, put things into practice. Verse 10 says, This is why we labour and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all people, and especially of those who believe. <clears throat> 